You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe. Great to be chatting with you again today. How are you going? I am very well, thank you, brother. How are you? Yeah, very good, very good. That's good, that's what's, good. What's been happening? Well, I have discovered a game on my phone that I actually like to play. I general, genuinely don't like game games on my phone, mm-hmm. but I've totally caught the craze. Wordle, I'm there. Wordle, there he is. Join the, uh, the <laughs> millions of other people playing Wordle. Uh, jo, so good. <laughs> um, tell us about... Um, how you found it and what you like about it? Yeah, well, some good friends came to visit uh, last week and their um, their kids were there with me and they said, oh, you know, we're going to play Wordle now. And I said, what? And they explained <laughs> it. And I'd seen a news article about it and not thought anything of it. But then we played together two or three days in a row. And it was so fun because it's quite social if you do it in a group. You can mm. just sort of have the phone in front of everyone. Essentially, for anyone who doesn't know what Wordle is, it's a you've got six opportunities to guess a five-letter word. And as you type in a word, your first guess, it gives you a hint of whether that letter, any of the letters are in the word or if they're in the word but in the wrong order or if they're in the, they're in the word and in the correct location. So mm. it's a five-letter word game. It's very simple. So children can play it with adults. And I mm. loved that. And yeah. um, they, of course, gave me the ultimate hint, which your family doesn't do, it sounds like. So the ultimate hint from my friends, um, from Johnny and Annabelle, was that you put in a word that's got heaps of vowels in it at the start. So we always use arise or arose mm. because it's got good vowels and good consonants. But you don't do that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I find that a little boring. I like yeah. to just put in random words. So uh, <laughs> Andy and I take it in turns to think of the first word. And uh, I'm trying to make, I'm actually making it a bit difficult. I think uh, yeah, I like later that. today uh, my first word will be quark or something like that. <laughs> And just to put him under pressure. Be, I think a good one would be whims because you're, <laughs> you're following your whim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, oh, that I totally good. agree, Joe. Yes, we, it's a bit of a social thing um, with uh, what, some or all of our family members. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I love the way that it's, once it's done, it's done and yeah. uh, you move on, not till yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, you can't get addicted. It's yeah, great. Yeah. It's so great. Anyway. I'm pleased to hear you found a, uh, a fun hobby there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and I read a news article yesterday saying, oh, it's just a matter of time before it, it costs you money. So I figured, yeah, yeah. well, this will be a fun thing for a little while. And then because <laughs> I'm tight and would never pay for something like that, it's done. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's the way. <laughs> anyway, what about you, brother? Oh, I thought I'd share with um, you about my experience of sharing my uh, MTS trainees hobby um, oh. or no actually sharing my hobby um, which happened to cross over so um, in case you don't know MTS stands for ministry training strategy yes. Yes. and uh, it's a way of inviting people to come and do kind of an apprenticeship uh, with people in ministry and so a uh, uh, great guy called Nick has started with me doing that apprenticeship and uh, as part of our tradition here at Hunter Bible Church we a uh, couple of times a year share each other's hobbies like uh, this ministry apprenticeship thing it's all of life stuff it's not uh, not just business and so mm-hmm. uh, we and now happen nick is actually a, one of my hobbies is chess as uh, we've talked about mm. uh, but it so happens that nick is actually very good at chess and <laughs> has actually 
been paid money to coach people in chess. That's how good he is. And so I knew this going in. I thought, oh, no, here we go. Um, And so my my plan was let's just play some chess together. And if I can survive for 20 moves, I'll count that as satisfactory. That's a win. So uh, we had a short game. We had the chess clock on um, 10 minutes roughly each. Uh, um, We didn't have as much time as we'd like. And um, he opened strong. I opened with the, I played black and the Sicilian defense, which is the only really okay. defense I know. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was very exciting. Um, he was, uh, uh, I lasted the 20 moves Woo-hoo! and then I lost on time. So my little flag dropped down on our chess clock. And uh, yeah, I, you know, from one point of view, you could say the game was delicately poised. Um, <laughs> for, for another point of view, you could say I was, I was just ready to be cleaned up, but uh, <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm facing the fact my trainee is better than me at chess by a long way, uh, but still enjoyed the game. He was very, very gracious. Okay. So when you were playing, did you have this sense of, oh, I'm, I'm, being, I'm playing a master right now, and so you <laughs> felt like under pressure, or was it more, oh, this is super fun because that is a brilliant move? Uh, yeah, it was mostly on the fun on the fun side. I, okay. I didn't have too much to lose, and uh, yep, I just tried tried to play, to play a bit aggressively because that's uh, my natural tendency is defensive. But I knew, yep, I had to take the fight to the uh, the grandmaster in my training. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I just am picturing the Queen's Gambit, which is my only experience of chess, mm-hmm. where this girl is super super smart, and in this situation, the super super smart one is Nick, and you are the person who's like close. <laughs> at the table but a bit disappointed at the end yeah did you feel yeah. any disappointment because it sounds like you did it uh no no disappointment yeah, that's great happy, very happy with where it ended up yep oh, oh so. well done brother thank that you sounds thank fun. you joe <laughs> <laughs> it takes boldness to play a hobby that someone else is better at i like that <laughs> that's, that's right good. anyway what have you been reading the bible more importantly Yes, well, um, yeah, we've been Bible reading over the summer, reading a bit of 1 and 2 Samuel, mm. and that's been really positive, actually, because summer, uh, there's not much routine, it's easier to get distracted, mm. so to just have a narrative where it's like, oh, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, has been really helpful just for uh, persevering in Bible reading with less routine in life, um, and I am was reflecting a bit on 2 Samuel 21, so deep mm. in the narrative, uh, and this is the account of when the Gibeonites are avenged. Uh, so, yeah, it's not a very well-known passage, well, not heaps to me anyway, uh, but uh, chapter 21 of 2 Samuel refers to um, an event where there was famine in the years, in for three years, and the reason for this, uh, it becomes known, is because Saul broke an ancient promise to a tribe called the Gibeonites, um, not to uh, not to persecute them he did and the consequences were famine in the land mm. and the thing that um caught my attention most i mean it's quite confronting um how david deals with this um break breakage of a truce and the famine um uh it involves yes the death of some of saul's family i won't oh, go dear. into that but the thing that um caught my attention is at the end in verse uh, 14 I'll just read that. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zillah and Benjamin and did everything the king commanded. And after that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. 
and I think the, the Christian Standard Version that I was uh, reading um, has that as um, God was again receptive to the people's prayers. Hmm. Um, and uh, that just got me thinking because uh, uh, along with that passage, and I've noticed in other passages, this idea that God uh, will at times not listen to the prayers of his people hmm. uh, is quite an interesting theme. Um, nearly always through sin, um, mm. God might say, I, I, I don't, um, I will not hear the prayers of the people or mm. um, uh, the prayers are not answered, um, the, the barrier of sin. It seems to be the case here in 2 Samuel 21, mm. um, the sin of um, truce, breakage and violence against the Gibeonites. Um, even though the people were crying out for famine relief for three years, mm. uh, God was not answering prayer, not receptive to prayer. And only after atonement, yeah, that, that's opened up again. Prayer is answered and, and the famine ends. Hmm. Um, I have so many questions, but I guess the main question I have is how does that fit with Jesus in the New Testament? Because I'm racking my brain and I can't think of similar stories in the New Testament, but I, am I just forgetting them or not? do I yeah, not know them? Um, well, I think that's the wonderful thing about Jesus is that mm. he um, enters in as our great high priest, he mm. mediates our prayers. Mm. So the pathway, the, this problem of sin is still there, but it's dealt with by Christ. And so the pathway mm. to to approach Jesus for, to approach God uh, through Jesus in prayer is is massively opened in the New Testament. Yeah. The only thing I could think of is in 1 Peter 3 where, um, where uh, conflict or violence on the part of a, uh, an ungodly Christian man might hinder people's prayers. Oh, and, yes. um, but uh, that could be read as um, being unable to play, pray with your wife because of unreconciled conflict. Um, mm. hint, that could hinder prayers. Uh, it's not necessarily saying that God won't hear the prayers of an ungodly uh, person, but mm. I feel like it's a question I'd like to explore more. And, um, yeah, look yeah. into this theme. Um, maybe we, uh, I mean, we definitely, Jesus opened up the way, but is it possible we might take that for granted? or be too casual about our, our sin um, and yeah, uh, not realise the relational impact our sin can have on our relationship with God. Not that the sin isn't paid for, but that, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, I'm in the end of it. I was encouraged to confess my prayer sins to God again and hmm. uh, be humble and thank God for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. Hmm. And, um, I pray. I was able to pray with confidence, but just really thankful that, yeah, because of Jesus, I can mm. pray with confidence and mm. um, God does long to hear our prayers. So, mm, yeah, that's good. That my little Bible reading story, Joe. I enjoyed that. One quick question that is a little bit of a tangent in that section. Who are the Gibeonites? Oh, well, to figure out the Gibeonites, you've got to go back to the book of Joshua. Oh. When, uh, they are the people who trick Joshua into making a treaty when they pretend to be from a distant country with uh, mouldy bread and worn out uh, water sacks. Right. And uh, they, uh, yes, they do indeed trick Joshua into a treaty and uh, that treaty is um, honoured by God um, right through wow. into 2 Samuel uh, many hundreds of years later. So, yeah, <laughs> that's the that. Gibeonites. Yeah, because uh, as I read the name, I thought, the name is familiar, but I have no idea where they came yeah. from. Yeah, no, okay. that's, that's where it's from. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. Mm. So, um, no, to Samuel. But, Joe, so uh, tell us about your reading, thinking, learning experiences. Well, Richard, I'm going to talk to you about something you did at the same time as I did. <laughs> so, really, I'm telling everyone else. 
but you weren't at the same seminars as me. So for anyone who doesn't know what I'm hinting at right now, Richard and I and Jenny from the staff team and Nick and Catherine, our two brand new MTS trainees, drove down on Monday to the Priscilla and Aquila Centre's annual conference. So for anyone who's wondering, Priscilla and Aquila Centre is run through Moore College and it's a centre for the encouragement of the Ministry of Women in partnership with men. And that's a really specific phrase they use again and again. And I really love the the goal of the conference and the goal of the the centre. And Richard had presented this idea uh, a while ago. Let's let's go to the conference. And I thought, Hmm. okay, great. So anyway, we went, didn't we, Richard? And it was great. We had some main talks and then there were some seminars. And I just thought I'd share about a seminar I attended that I don't think you were able to go to. You didn't go to Jess Shearley's, did you? No, I'm really interested. Go ahead. Okay. So Jess Shearley um, used to be at HBC and she finished her fourth year um, fourth year of Moore College last year and during her research project, she was investigating the, the patronage, the nature of patronage women who are patrons of ministry in the New Testament, particularly in Luke Acts. And um, she was my first MTS trainee and I felt like a proud mama bear when I was there. It was so <laughs> exciting to see her present her research findings and... Um, just some, some interesting things that she drew my attention to. So for us modern thinkers, patronage was, is quite a rarely understood thing. But actually, um, patronage was everywhere in the first century culture. So mm. apparently the way, the way we're to think about patronage is, this is the quote um, definition from her, the unequal, enduring personal relationships that involve exchanging services and favours. So the patron would give things like food or shelter or money um, and then the client or the recipient of that patronage would give back honour and loyalty and praise and support of the patron. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, it was, and she said that this, is part, this kind of relationship was everywhere. And so, for instance, you would think about Caesar and you would think he is the ultimate patron. He's the ultimate person. And you, as you picture a relationship, this hierarchical relationship of patron-client, they're just, it's just embedded as part of the community setup. And I thought, okay, that's very interesting. Rather than the flat, a lot of flat relationships, it seems, we have mm. in Newcastle culture, for instance. Yeah. Anyway, so um, as you go to Luke, um, Jess argued that you should see these relationships between Jesus and the women and start thinking about the patronage relationship between them. Yeah. And so there was a long extended discussion and I'll tell you where you can find it, more information about it later. But I just thought I'd f- finish up sharing something she said from Luke 8. So she took us to Luke 8 and she took us to Acts. But um, in the first few verses of, eight, of Luke 8, just before the parable of the sower, so this amazing parable that's super popular, mm. she said, don't skip over the first few verses, which actually set up the whole thing. Mm. So I'll just read eight, Luke 8 verses 1 to 3. After this, Jesus travelled from one town and the village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. And so Jess wanted us to think about the idea when she was presenting that there's a patronage relationship going on here where these women, and there's many of them, so there's mm. so, there's a group of unnamed women plus Joanna, Mary, and Susanna, mm. um, and they're supporting the 12 and Jesus. But what's interesting is 
actually Jesus is the ultimate patron in this situation because Jesus is the one who offers them, has offered them salvation that have been cleared, cured from spirit, evil spirits and demons and, and diseases. And um, so they've already been shown such love and care by Jesus, yeah. the ultimate patron. So they're responding in honour and praise but also responding by caring for the 12 and yeah. their needs. And so in some ways these women are changing the com- the expected behaviour where they just give honour back to Jesus by offering honour to Jesus' followers. And so it was just this really interesting little thing. And she said, when you look at the parable of the sower, you're meant to see these women as the example of the good seed growing up. Ah, they've yeah. heard and followed um, Jesus, responded in faith to Jesus. And so you've got these great examples of women mm. serving and following Jesus, helping the, the furthering the gospel work with their own means, independent money, money essentially. Yeah. And therefore, when you read the parable of the soil, you're like, oh, just like these women, we need to be like the good seed, the, so- the seed that falls on the good soil. Yeah. Well, that's anyway. a great connection. I love that. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, if you would like to follow, find out anything more about this Priscilla and Aquila Center, which has thousands of resources, we're going to put the link there. You would do well to go and have a look. I recommend <laughs> it to anyone to have a look. Don't you reckon, Richard? It's got yeah. a great. It's a great resource library. Yeah, no, they've done so well um, as an organization to bring um, great resources and addressing mm. things biblically, positively. Mm. Um, mm. And so definitely commend it to you and uh, Jess's, um, yeah, Jess's material for sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's online just yet because it was on Monday, but um, yeah, <laughs> I encourage anyone. I found it great. The great resources on divorce and remarriage, complementarianism, men and women in ministry. Yeah, it's, it's great. But anyway, that's all I can talk about it now because the time is telling me we have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Joe. Um, yeah. Great to uh, chat with you. And it was a, a fun conference to get along to. Wasn't it? And uh, hopefully again in the future. But uh, yeah. yeah, we better wrap things up today. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic talking about the Bible, about chess, Wordle, all the best with your uh, guesses in the next uh, few days. <laughs> and to and, you. I'll <laughs> uh, catch you again next week. Sounds good. See ya. Bye. Bye.